0: Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everyone, it's Chelsea and I'm here today with Chris and Dave and we are in Ezekiel still. Um, We have a couple different... Uh, types of passages here that we have a riddle or a parable, you might want to call it, in the beginning, and then it's also bookended with a song, um, which I'm wondering if Israel would have sang this.
1: I don't think they would <laughs> have like, sang it.
0: Sure, let's sing that.
1: <laughs> let's let's sing a funeral song. Well, and maybe as they were lamenting maybe. their state.
0: Yeah, it depends. Um, and then in the middle, we have uh, some really interesting passages on individual sin. Uh, so, what stuck out to you guys as we were reading today?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the the riddle and then the song, its they're, you can kind of line it up with near history, recent history, and uh, some of their contemporary situations. Jehoiachin had been taken captive. I think he's referenced in both of these. Uh, he had made some alliances with Egypt that didn't work out so well. <laughs> he was taken captive by Babylon. Zedekiah is still the puppet king. He, right. He's there, but he doesn't really have a lot of power, and eventually he is also going to be taken captive. So these would be some different literary devices just to kind of help Israel make sense of what's going on uh, and what's happening in the Specifically nation. the exiles. Specifically the exiles Babylon. who are already in Babylon. Yeah, because yes.
0: we still have Jeremiah living in King Zedekiah's Don't sanctuary. forget
1: Jeremiah. He's still he's there. He's going back. <laughs> he, we'll, we'll hear from him again. He's will
0: make a comeback and eventually hear.
1: <laughs> the return of Jeremiah.
0: Um, but yeah, but Ezekiel's message for the exiles in Babylon, so yeah Dave, what's that got to you? uh was more along the lines of the individual sin that my my mistakes and my sins won't be looked down upon my father if his if his actions are complete opposite of mine, mm-hmm. so in that sense God is just he's not gonna condemn somebody else for another person's actions
1: or sins against against God mm-hmm Right, and I think uh, we touched on this a little bit the other day uh, that this is a l- kind of a, a little bit of a shift in the nation's history. You know, if you remember back with the kings, we've got a number of the kings that, if they were bad, uh, ate a, you know, oftentimes bad kings produce bad kings. They kind of follow the same lines. If they were good, uh, there was still a blessing, even when sometimes those kings are bad. Like you think about Manasseh, he was. God's plan continued on even though he was horrible because mm-hmm. of his father Hezekiah, because of David before him. Uh, it's it's getting a little more specific right now that, you know, if you're a righteous person, it doesn't guarantee that your kids are going to be righteous. If you're a wicked person, it also doesn't guarantee that your kids are going to be wicked, mm-hmm. uh, that there's an opportunity to change. And in some ways, you know, we this also plays into the idea of like generational blessing or generational curse um that these are not absolutes that if your parents are godly you're guaranteed to be godly at the same time i think it's good news for those of us maybe who feel like there's been some generational influences that uh to the negative that you're not trapped you're not stuck you're not uh destined to do the same things that your parents do that mm-hmm. uh, there can be a change at each and every generation, uh, which is good news. Uh, especially if, if there are things in our past or in our, our family's past that are not particularly nice. Yeah.
0: And also in this, in that particular passage, you see a glimpse of God's heart of, he asked the question, do you think I like to see wicked people die? Of course not. I want them to turn from their wicked ways. And where else does he say it? Um, He he asks, he tells the people of Israel to repent and turn from their sins so they don't have to die. He doesn't want to destroy them. Um, Again, God's heart is evident in little pockets through these books of the prophets that are such downers sometimes. But over and over again, we see that God's will for these people, what he really wants for them is to Mm. repent and turn from their sin and save them. He doesn't want to keep doing this.
1: A wicked generation is only one generation. Mm. Or wicked families only one generation away from change, mm. uh, and so there's there's always that hope. Hmm. Uh, and for the exiles sitting there, you know they're they're probably l- lamenting all the sins of their ancestors. And what this message says is, hey, you you can change. Change starts today. You, you don't have to suffer for all these years. You're going to be in Babylon for a while, but you can become faithful while you're here.
0: Yeah, and that's kind kind of trying to turn their attention to that because they they're asking themselves, like. The Lord isn't doing what is right. They're thinking about exile and what's happening and um, but God's like, is it me or is it you that's not doing what's right? <laughs> like let's examine your who's own the heart. problem with here? Your... Right, yeah. Like who's the one setting up idols? Who's the one committing injustice and all these things? Um and it's a good heart check of like, hey, am I the one that is being unfaithful or is God the one being unfaithful?
1: I, I like too in that passage just the way that like unrighteousness and righteousness was described and it was about worship. It was about faithfulness. But it was also things like uh, treating people right, taking mm. care, uh, hating injustice, uh, not robbing people. Like just a lot of that that we've seen throughout the prophets that so much of what God cares about is worship, but it's also the way we treat our neighbors.
0: Right. Yeah. Because there's, yeah, there's like a tiny little part of this that talks about the righteous man and it like brings a little bit of the law into it as far as like the weird things in the law that you're like, why do I have to do this? But, um, but it really focuses on being honest and fair and caring for the needy and giving to the poor and feeding the hungry and being merciful. These things that are just like, that's what God's law makes us do. When we follow God's law, those things happen. Um, and then when you don't follow God's law, all these, what he calls detestable sins happen.
1: He's kind of giving a picture to the exiles what they should do. Like, here, I'm describing yeah, a righteous here's person. Here's a list. For you. Do this. Live yeah. this way. <laughs>
0: he's trying to make it easy. <laughs> yeah, he's just giving them that power of free will. Like, you want to follow me and do what's right and just, and I'm going to I'll give you everything that you want. You're not. I'm going to turn my back on you, and you're going to pay for your sins. Yeah. Again, again, that's a picture of God's mercy. He gives them exactly what they need to do to save themselves and save their families. Um, It's not a mystery. (laughs) It's making it very clear.
1: Ezekiel chapter 17. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, give this riddle and tell the story to the people of Israel. Give them this message from the sovereign Lord. A great eagle with broad wings and long feathers, covered covered with many colored plumage, came to Lebanon. He seized the top of a cedar tree and plucked off its highest branch. He carried it away to a city filled with merchants, and he planted it in the city of traders. He also took a seedling from the land and planted it in the fertile soil. He placed it beside a broad river where it could grow like a willow tree. It took root there and grew into a low spreading vine. Its branches turned up towards the eagle and its root grew down into the ground. It produced strong branches and put out shoots. But then another great eagle came with broad wings and full plumage. So the vine now sent its roots and branches towards him for water, even though it was already planted in good soil and had plenty of water. So it could grow into a splendid vine and produce rich leaves and luscious fruit. So now the sovereign Lord asks, will this vine grow and prosper? No, I will pull it up, roots and all. I will cut off its fruit and let its leaves wither and die. I will pull it up easily without a strong arm or a large army. But then when the vine is transplanted, will it thrive? No, it will wither away. When the east wind blows against it, it will die in the same good soil where it had grown so well. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Say to the rebels of the of Israel. Do you not understand the meaning of the riddle of the eagles? The king of Babylon came to Jerusalem, took away her king and princes, and brought them to Babylon. He made a treaty with a member of the royal family and forced him to take an oath of loyalty. He also exiled Israel's most influential leaders, so Israel would not become strong again in revolt. Only by keeping her treaty with the Babylon with Babylon could Israel survive. Nevertheless, this man of Israel's royal family rebelled against Babylon, sending ambassadors to Egypt to request a great army and many horses. Can Israel break her sworn treaties like that and get away with it? No, for as sure as I say, says the sovereign Lord, the king of Israel will die in Babylon, in the land of the king who put him in power, and whose treaty he disregarded and broke." Pharaoh and all his mighty army will fail to help Israel when the king of Babylon lays siege to Jerusalem again and destroys many lives. For the king of Israel disregarded his treaty and broke it after swearing to obey. Therefore, he will not escape. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. As surely as I live, I will punish him for breaking my covenant and disregarding the solemn oath he made in my name. I will throw my net over him and capture him in my snare. I will bring him to Babylon and put him on trial for this treason against me." And all the best warriors will be killed in battle, and those who survive will be scattered to the four winds. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. This is what the Sovereign Lord says: I will take a branch from the top of the tall cedar, and I will plant it on the top of Israel's highest mountain. It will become a majestic cedar, sending forth its branches and producing seeds. Birds of every sort will nest in it, finding shelter in the shade of its branches. And all the trees will know that it is I, the Lord, who cuts the tall tree down and makes the short tree grow tall. It is I who makes the green tree wither and gives the dead tree new life. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do what I said. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Why do you quote this proverb concerning the land of Israel? The parents have eaten sour grapes, but their children's mouths pucker at the taste. As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, you will not quote this proverb any more in Israel. For all the people are of mine to judge, both parents and children alike. And this is my rule. The person who sins is the one who will die. Suppose a certain man is righteous and does what is right and just. He doesn't... Not feast in the mountains before Israel's idols or worship them. He does not commit adultery or have intercourse with a woman during her menstrual period. He is a merciful creditor, not keeping items as as security by poor debtors. He does not rob the poor, but instead gives food to the hungry and provides clothes for the needy. He grants loans without interest, stays away from injustice, is honest and fair when judging others, and faithfully obeys my decrees and regulations. Anyone who does these things is just and will surely live, says the Sovereign Lord. But suppose that man has a son who grows up to be a robber or murderer and refuses to do what is right. And that son does all the evil things his father would never do. He worships idol on the mountains, commits adultery and oppresses the poor and helpless. Steals from debtors by refusing to let them redeem their security. Worships idols, commits detestable sins and lends money at excessive interest. Should such a sinful person live? No, he must die and must take full blame. But suppose that sinful son in turn has a son who sees his father's wickedness and decides against that kind of life. This son refuses to worship idols on the mountains and does not commit adultery. He does not exploit the poor and instead is fair to debtors and does not rob them. He gives food to the hungry and provides clothes for the needy. He helps the poor, does not lend money at interest, and obeys all my regulations and decrees. Such a person will not die because of his father's sins. He will surely live. But that father will die for his many sins, for being cruel, robbing people, and doing what was clearly wrong among his people. What, you ask, does isn't the child pays for the parents' sins? No, if the child does what is just and right and keeps on my decrees, that child will surely live. The person who sins is the one who will die. The child will not be punished for his parents' sins, and the parents will not be punished for the child's sins. Righteous people will be rewarded for their own righteous behavior, and wicked people will be punished for their own wickedness. But if wicked people turn away from all their sins and begin to obey my decrees, do what is right and just, they will surely live and will not die. All their past sins will be forgotten, and they will live because of the righteous things they have done. Do not th- do you think that I'd like to see wicked people die, says the Sovereign Lord? Of course not. I want them to turn from their wicked ways and live. However, if righteous people turn from their righteous behavior and start doing sinful things and act like other sinners, should they be allowed to live? No, of course not. All their righteous acts will be forgotten, and they will die for their sins. Yet you say, the Lord isn't doing what is right. Listen to me, O people of Israel." Am I the one not doing what is right, or is it you? When righteous people turn from their righteous behavior and start doing sinful things, they will die for it. Yes, they will die because of sinful deeds. And if wicked people turn from their wickedness, obey the law, and do what is just and right, they will save their lives. They will live because they thought it over and decided to turn away from their sins. Such people will not die. And yet the people of Israel keep saying, the Lord isn't doing what is right. O people of Israel, it is you who are not doing what is right, not I. Therefore, I will judge each of you, O people of Israel, according to your actions, says the Sovereign Lord. Repent and turn from your sins. Don't let them destroy you. Put all your rebellion behind you and find yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O people of Israel? I don't want you to die, says the Sovereign Lord. Turn back and live. Sing this funeral song for the princes of Israel. What is your mother, a lioness among lions? She lay down among the young lions and reared her cubs. She raised one of her cubs to become strong, a strong young lion. He learned to hunt and devour prey, and he became a man-eater. Then the nations heard about him, and he was trapped in their pit. They led him away with hooks to the land of Egypt. When the lioness saw that her hopes for him were gone, she took another of her cubs and taught him to be a strong young lion. He prowled among the other lions and stood out among them, in his strength, he learned to hunt and devour prey, and he too became a man eater. He demolished fortresses and destroyed their towns and cities. Their farms were destroyed, and their crops were desolated. The land and its people trembled in fear, and when they heard him roar, the armies of their nations attacked him, surrounding him from every direction. They threw a net over him and captured him in their pit. With hooks, they dragged him into a cage and brought him before the king of Babylon. They held him in captivity so his voice could never be heard on the mountain of Israel. Your mother was like a vine planted by the water's edge. It had lush green foliage because of the abundant water. Its branches became strong, strong enough to be a ruler's scepter. It grew very tall, towering above all the others. It stood out because of its height with its many lush branches. But the vine was uprooted in fury and thrown down to the ground. The desert wind dried up its fruit and tore off its strong branches so that it withered and was destroyed by fire." Now the vine is transplanted by the to the wilderness where the ground is hard and dry. A fire had burst out from its branches and devoured its fruit. Its remaining limbs are not strong enough to be a ruler's scepter. This is a funeral song, and it will be used at a funeral.